Hi there, listener. It's Matthew. You've come looking for an episode of the Children's Book Podcast, and you've found it. Hooray! But you're probably wondering why the name of the podcast has changed. After eight years of doing the Children's Book Podcast, I began a new career as head of podcasts at A Kid's Company About, where I now oversee a podcast network dedicated to producing original content that talks up to kids, centers the things going on in their world, and engages and challenges how they see the world and themselves. All of the episodes of the Children's Book Podcast are still here, but now, if you're subscribed, you'll get new episodes of Worth Noting, a kid's podcast about current events, hosted by me. Something for you and the young people in your life to enjoy together. Enjoy this episode, and I hope you'll check out Worth Noting and other podcasts from a kid's company about... Support for the Children's Book Podcast comes from Storyteller Academy. Learn the art of storytelling from published authors, illustrators, and editors at Storyteller Academy. Sign up today at StorytellerAcademy.com. Yeah. Um, I'm feeling all the feelings. Um, (laughs) I think what I'm feeling is actually a lot more intense than what I typically feel when I you know, work with an author or or a book as a collaboration. It... Let's spend our time together today thinking about how important is it for a kid to see themselves in a book? What does it mean to see yourselves? How does it affect you or change you or change the path you walk? This is the Children's Book Podcast, episode number 497, I'm your host, Matthew Winner, and today I'm joined by Christian Robinson, making his author-illustrator debut with Another, a wordless picture book exploring the literal experience of seeing yourself in a book and of others seeing themselves in the same book. Christian talks about relying on his strengths and owning that we all have blind spots. He also shares how his art is driven by his thoughts on helping as many kids as possible see themselves in his work. Please welcome my guest, Christian Robinson, author-illustrator of Another. My name is Christian Robinson, and yeah, I'm a picture book illustrator. And I'm excited to share with you guys my first solo picture book, Another. Yay, congratulations. Are you, uh, uh, being that you're stepping out for the first time as author and illustrator, are there different feelings that you're feeling? It feels very much like a Christian Robinson book, but I realize that this is really the first time that it's been all you. Yeah. Um, I'm feeling all the feelings. Uh, <laughs> I think what I'm feeling is actually a lot more intense than what I typically feel when I, you know, work with an author or or a book as a collaboration. It, in those cases, I almost feel like, you know, I can't, whether the book is praised or criticized, I can't take all the credit, right? Um, but in this case, it, it just feels that much more, like, intense. Like, if people like it, great. If they don't, like, it just feels like it, would, it, it, it will hit a lot harder this time around. <laughs> <laughs> all of it sense. all of it is you that's right but but it's it's wonderful christian before i go in pouring over it uh would you mind sharing 
for those that haven't encountered another yet, just a little bit about what the story is? Um, yeah, so the story is about this girl who basically um, goes into a portal into another world where she meets another version of herself, like from a parallel universe. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of about what would happen if any of us met ourselves, would we be kind? Would we be unkind? Would we get along? Um, and so, yeah, that was sort of the, yeah, that's the best way. I, it's hard to describe this one. <laughs> <laughs> I should say, I should say for those that haven't seen it yet, that it's, it's wordless too. And it does all of these really fun wormhole portal things of, of, changing perspective over and over going to the left out one portal and coming up from the bottom of the book through another and and this and that we start with the cat being or realizing that there's another cat another version of this cat um but then we don't move into seeing that there's another version of the girl until we see lots and lots of other children playing with their 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 mirrored selves i don't even know what to call it their altered dimension self mm-hmm. um it, it it feels to me like um this girl in some way and this is probably me putting emotion onto it but it feels a lot like after seeing her cat have have this sort of twin playmate and after seeing all these other children having fun that perhaps she wonders if if there's a match for her as well uh, and of course there is, but that, that spread where you meet all of the other children that are playing, um, I just felt like there was a really cool design thing going on here too, which is that there's all of these children with with their, their pair, um, often wearing a different color shirt or in one case a different color hijab or different glasses or things like that. But as I'm I think doing what a, what your readers will do as I'm trying to match up everyone on the page, I realize that not only does the girl not have her match on, on that particular page, but there's, there's a couple other children that don't have a match as well. Um, until the page turn when you realize that they do and that's when her face changes as well. Um, so I, I think, I think that, I think that that, that quest to find, yourself <laughs> as as um as metaphoric or, or or whatnot as it is is really strong with this book wow <laughs> I'm, I'm amazed by your description um <laughs> yes you did a much better job than i did yeah all those things are in there too <laughs> this the, the greatest part to me of a well-executed wordless book if i word it that way is that i think the reader or myself at least i spend at least three times as long reading a wordless book as I do a book with with text. I don't know why that is. There's art in these other books as well. But mm. when you take those words away, it just it feels like you're taking one of your senses away and you have to rely on the others a little bit more to to find to find the story that you're reading out of the book, right? Because we we all read it something a little bit different out of every book we read. But it, when it's wordless it's really all on us to make to to make our own meaning amidst the meaning that that you also laid onto the story yeah yeah that's true um yeah christian was it always a wordless story for you um 
I, it wasn't. Um, so I guess, okay, so what motivated the story was kind of, um, I was thinking about, um, I think I, I knew I wanted to one day tell a story, create a, create a book. Um, and I knew it was important for me to create a, a picture book in which as many kids as possible saw themselves on the page. I didn't know what that would look like, um, but I knew, I think that was sort of like one seed that I had. And I think I just kept thinking about that thought, like, well, what if a child saw themselves? How important is it to see yourself in a book? And then I thought, well, what if they literally saw themselves, like from a, a parallel universe? Um, and and then it kind of took off from there because I've always loved um, science fiction and I love stories where, you know, characters get to go on these amazing adventures into different worlds and discover some power. Um, but oftentimes I didn't see kids that look like me going on these magical, powerful adventures. Um, and so that was important for me to tell a story with a character, um, uh, like our main character seeing herself in this book, um, but also a whole bunch of other kids seeing themselves. Um, and it wasn't necessarily always wordless, but as I started to develop it, I, I recognized that maybe it it could be told without words. Um, and since again, this is my first time being a an author or a storyteller with words, I, I felt like you know maybe I should rely on my strengths. <laughs> and I guess I haven't found the confidence yet um, in my in my storytelling abilities with words. Um, so yeah. Did you, <laughs> I do have a, I'm not even trying to be sarcastic with this. This is really earnest, but did you write the jacket copy for the book? I, no, the not even. Words, the only words, <laughs> I love it, you didn't even do <laughs> The only words we see inside the, the front left jacket, it says, what if you encountered another perspective, discovered another world, met another you, what might you do? But yeah, <laughs> I love it. No, I, I you, uh -huh. I gotta be honest, you're blowing my mind a little bit with this notion of going from the idea of of the importance of a child seeing themselves in a book, of a mirror book, to literally creating a book where a child goes into a story to in order to find themselves or the hope of being able to find themselves. That's 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 working on another level, buddy. <laughs> I can't even, man. <laughs> we just went to a new dimension. We Fantastic. totally um, went to a new dimension. <laughs> but actually, I have to credit um, the editor of the book, Emma Ledbetter, who did write that flap copy, um, and was was my mirror in the book in terms of helping me develop the story. And when when working with like a, on a wordless picture book, you it's so important how people perceive the book and how people, what they observe. And, you know, you, you almost can't just rely on your own eyes, you know, cause you have blind spots. And so I was very, very fortunate to have an amazing editor um, and Emma Ledbetter and also art director and Bob Coe, who really helped me develop this story. I think that I don't know where, where your work ends and theirs begins. And that's sort of always the, the, the power of, of what goes on in that picture book making process, because by the time we get it, it's finished and it bears your name. Right. But I know that, that there is that space for the editors and art directors there. But I also found that by you utilizing white space almost constantly as the child goes into this other dimension, that it's almost 
other than in in the opening setting when the when she's in her bed um and the room is just black we only have the the bed and the window um in addition to the cat and the girl but to flip that and just have nothing but white space so that Mm -hmm. it can be open to you don't know what direction is up or down or left or right it just gets Mm -hmm. to it just gets to be it just gets to be space right i think that that there's there's a lot of fun in that. You even I think play with gravity a little bit because you have these balls, balls rolling down a hill, balls bouncing, and then all of a sudden, like I don't know where the balls are going. <laughs> if they make it through a portal, gravity acts however it does through the portal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's how. Yeah, I that's how I thought of the white space exactly. Is sort of this world is almost like a blank page where anything is possible. Um, yeah. The the experience of seeing yourself in a book, I I would imagine that that's something you, you encounter as you go to school visits or do um, book festivals or things like that. But is that something you're also hearing children, your readers articulate to you that they're, that they are seeing themselves. I know that you often feature children that, that feel rooted in kids that you know, but I think I, do I also, am I right in that, you work at a, you visited a preschool, you have a relationship with a local pre, there's something about, I've seen you in a classroom before. (laughs) (laughs) Um, hmm. Uh, Well, I mean, I spend a lot of time in classrooms. Maybe Uh, just being out and about, yeah. yeah. Um, so, so, okay, so it's interesting. What I think the most, the response that I get mainly about the whole idea of like a child seeing themselves in a books is from the the parents. Um, mm. They're the ones who usually have want to talk to me about you know, um, you know, flipping through this book. There's this character that has tattoos, and and my son said this looks like my my uncle, and this neighborhood looks like the one that we live in, and and how how they recognize that that is a significant experience for their for their child. Um, I don't know if the kid necess- if a child necessarily can verbalize or recognize what that experience is, seeing yourself in a book. I know that growing up, it's not that I felt like I was missing out on something if I wasn't seeing some character that looked like me, you know, going into some other world. And um, I don't know. I'm just thinking about all my favorite childhood, like films and movies, like Jurassic Park and Jumanji and you know, and these kids are going on these amazing adventures and they oftentimes didn't look like me. And I didn't necessarily feel like I was missing out on anything, but it's, I think, something as we get older that we recognize that not seeing yourself in those, um, in those, posi- in those roles does send a message. It kind of says that, you know, your story isn't as um, valued or getting as much attention or as important. Um, at least that's how I, how I receive it. It's yeah. interesting to reflect that way, that it's something that the children are internalizing, but perhaps not something that they're articulating outright. Right. But, but to give space, too, for for fantasy, for seeing themselves in that, um, you even have on that same spread where we're on the, no, a nearby spread where we're seeing all of the children play, you've got, at least to me, the way that I read your art, you continue playing with the portal motif which feels like something your readers will do as well. You've got um, two children playing with hula hoops that mimic that same oval Mm -hmm. shape of the portal. You flip the page and there's 
um, girls doing double dutch. So you have that nice like portal mm-hmm. image of a of the girl playing. Um, and you even have on that next page children playing with bubbles. So there's just to see. It almost feels like your. It it feels like a nod to what the reader will do and take from any story as they as they live in it, as they play in that world, as they take an idea from a story and want to recreate it in their own world, which is something that I, I remember doing as a kid. And it wasn't necessarily books for me, but for me, I've spoken openly how it was always video games playing like we were Mega Man and Mario and Bowser on the playground and acting out what, what that is like from, from playing this thing we loved, but not being able to have enough of it. So to see you playing as well, on the page with these children. It's just something that I felt like was a, a powerful connection to them. Mm. Wow. That's interesting. So I'm, I was debating hearing you talk. Should I take credit for that? Cause <laughs> I, I really <laughs> didn't at all think about those connections, those visual connections, but yes, I, those are like, there is something similar in those, in a, in a shape of a, a sphere and a bubble and in a circle and a, in a, in a hula hoop. Anyway, um, but also, yes, just as important for me to tell stories that, you know, are inclusive and everyone can feel represented. It's important for me to just tell fun stories that are fun and playful and, you know, yeah, bring joy. Um, and so play, I knew was a very important part of this story. Um, that's just that even just like how I want the, how I hope a kid will interact with the book, Yeah, you know, yeah. Fl- flipping it around and, and Yeah. Well, I love the happy accidents. I love the <laughs> whether it was intentional or not, because sometimes that's just the way the subconscious works. Or, you know, when this is out in front of children, uh, Lord knows that they're going to see something that you just had no idea was even there. And and it will be their truth. Support for the Children's Book Podcast comes from the Little Feminist Book Club. Little Feminist wants to help you diversify your child's bookshelf. Each month, they send one to two books featuring characters of underrepresented backgrounds, and Little Feminist spends months consulting with a team of educators, librarians, and parents to pick each book and create a suite of hands-on activities to accompany them. Go to littlefeminist.com and use the coupon code WINNER for $5 off when you order or click on the link at matthewcwinner.com slash podcast and get started today. Raise good humans one children's book at a time. Uh, I mentioned before recording though and wanted to make sure I brought it back up on here is that when I first connected with you, I can't even remember what brought us first together on the podcast, whether it was for Leo, a ghost story or something before that. But when I first connected with you, um, I remember talking about your work with Sesame Street and developing those short films. And when I read this book, it reminds me of a lot of that heart of a lot of that play. I know that all of your social media handles are the art of fun. I know that that's something you strive for, but I think that in making a story and having it edited over and over and looking at multiple versions of the thing that will ultimately become a book there, there always runs risk of the fun and play being sort of edited out of it. I know that there's a lot of good people working on books to make sure it doesn't, but I think the Mm -hmm. risk is there. And so to have this come across as something like that just feels really joyous, Christian. It feels 
it feels like we've met, I think at least once, uh, in person, at, at least it was the, uh, uh, national book festival. But I remember mm-hmm. knowing you that way as just this person that feels like a welcoming soul. You get this feeling from teachers, not all teachers, but hopefully a lot of teachers and from people that you're, I don't know, in your neighborhood that just feel like they're really welcoming to kids and that they just get the level where children operate that level that's often much higher than where adults are operating. And I appreciate that you maintain that in your story here, Christian. I appreciate that your debut is that voice of centering that child and of, of just relentlessly giving space for them to play and for them to feel welcome. Wow. (laughs) Um, Yeah, that's, yeah, I don't even know how to receive that. That is the kindest thing. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. Um, Yeah, I, yeah, that's all I, I mean, I think I'm very much just inspired by a lot of things you just mentioned, like Sesame Street, um, and just like, yeah, those, those programs to me felt, still to this day, feel like, home like this sort of space that I can go to and be reminded like oh everything's okay like you know like it's all it's all good and yeah and I think yeah if I can if there's any way that I can recreate that experience for someone else then I'm happy well I think when I bring it up too if I just reveal myself a little bit there's I was in fear of saying something along the lines of I hope you never lose that connection to children. And I think I, I think that's me putting myself on your work because I've heard people say that to me in teaching or to me working in the library of just don't ever lose that feeling of, of you get working mm. with kids or don't ever. And whenever they say that, it strikes me that it must be coming from a place of having lost it or something. I don't know. Um, I, I think that because of who you are, you, probably will continue to dial into that place of connecting with children. Mm -hmm. You certainly have for this while, but for whatever reason, I was feeling it coming up in me of, of asking you like, how do you make sure that you don't lose sight of the kids? But I realized that that's, that question doesn't have place here because I know how I make sure I don't lose sight of them. And that's Mm. because I love them. And so the answer to me is that you love them. And that's just not something that, that people can fake. And it's not something that, you know, children that you can fake in front of children. They, I feel tend to sniff that out as well. (laughs) So, Mm -hmm. so I don't know. I, but where you were seeing me struggle was me making sure that I did not express those words. Cause I know that, that you're in the right place. And, uh, are you working? Can I ask, are you working on more? Are you exploring more stories that are, that are yours that you would author and illustrate as well? Like this? Um, yes, actually. Like, it was fun for you. The process didn't, like, drive you away from it. No. Although the book, we still got two weeks before the book comes out. So we'll see uh, how this all turns out. Um, I have been telling people that it's sort of like that movie Black Swan, if you've seen that with Natalie Portman, how she's just building up all this anxiety before her big recital. That's sort of kind of how I feel right now. Um, but anyway. That's um, so great, though, because you've done this, though. <laughs> you've been in picture books for some time. You've been recognized by, you know, large organizations as well as by children. And yet 
just to hear it from you that it's still there is it's really great i love it <laughs> yeah it's there and it doesn't seem like it's going anywhere <laughs> um but actually, I want to go back to what you were saying earlier that you were that you said that you were trying not to say, but you said. Well, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. It is. I, I think I know what you were kind of getting at, like, like the, that magic. Like, how do you keep it, basically? Um, and I are you know whatever makes people interested in your work or makes it appeal to people. Um, I think as a creative person. I think that's like something that I think creative people have been like trying to figure out for a while. And I think it drives, it can drive us crazy. Um, like how to keep in touch, how to, how to make work that's relevant or that connects. Um, I know for me personally, it all goes back to gratitude. Like my, my website or my whole thing is the art of fun, creating work that you know, the, the spirit is fun or just enjoyment and enjoying the process. Um, but really what it all comes down to is gratitude. Like I have drawn and made pictures my whole life and I, I never imagined that I would be able to make a living doing it. Um, I never imagined I'd end up in children's books. Um, but it, it does feel to me like all these things that I loved and was passionate about just kind of came together in a way that I couldn't have I couldn't have orchestrated better myself. Like I'm just very grateful to be in the position I'm at in. And that's what I, yeah, don't want to ever lose sight of because it is very easy to get overwhelmed by reviews or who likes my work and who doesn't. And, um, you know, will I be able to create something again that is, you know, as well received as what I created in the past. And all those things can definitely weigh on you. Um, but when I find myself going down that path, I just have to go back to gratitude and recognizing that, whoa, I get to do what I love for a living. This is crazy. Mm. Uh, yeah. Can you tell me about um, your dedication? You dedicated it to Steve. Can you tell me who Steve is and, and, and why you felt this is the person to dedicate the book to? Yeah. So Steve is my agent, Steve and Malk. Steve Malk. Um, and I've, yeah, I've illustrated over 13 books um, and I haven't yet dedicated anything to him up until now. Um, I knew that I, I, was, I, I wanted to, of course, always. Um, but Steve basically is the person who, who came across my work. Uh, he found my blog and he reached out to me in email and said, if you don't if you don't have an agent, consider this fan mail. Like, would you be interested in working in children's books? And, and he changed my life. Yeah. He was like my, he opened the door for me to be able to, to, to be on this path. And, and I'm forever grateful. And yeah. I had a feeling it might be him. I just thought I would, <laughs> just thought I would ask. And that's sweet to, to know that that relationship has continued to, to give and give for you and has brought lots of other really cool opportunities you've had a chance to make books with with lots of really interesting and talented people and i think too about like doing doing work like with the margaret weiss brown book and and things like that that it's just it's just really neat that that you've had the opportunity to work with all of these different folks and i assume that that's something that will continue into the future working with with new authors and and trying your art on on their stories 
Yeah. I sorry, I spaced out. Yes, I hope so. <laughs> um, yeah, I think I heard the question. <laughs> no, yeah. it was just more me reflecting on these different authors that that your work has paired with and really what those voices have meant on all those different books. I think about Gaston with, with Kelly DiPuccio and I think about um, you know, school's first day of school or your work with Matt De La Pena or or just all of these different folks that you've worked with that that all feel a little different. Your voice has stayed. Uh, it, I think that your art, your style is is identifiable and recognizable. And, and that's beautiful. And I like that you do a lot of that same technique in this book, that you can see the, the brush marks from the paint and the collage work and, and all of that still feels like your voice. But it's it's neat to know that that your voice to hear to see your voice resonate with all of these different authors i guess is where i'm just sort of reveling in it hmm are there um, are there folks that hmm. you think about christian that that you don't need to name names but just folks that you you think about the way that they write stories the stories that they have published that that you'd love to work with them um Hmm. I think that's that, that that's where my brain was going with with thinking about the work you do with the Margaret Weiss Brown book. Yeah, I mean for sure um, there are. Um, it's interesting, I guess. Hmm. I okay. So what I'll say is, I think I feel again back to that gratitude thing. I feel very fortunate to have been able to work with. Um, the storytellers I get to work with um, that I almost don't even like have in my brain this sort of like wish list, um, which is crazy maybe. Um, But I do know I love storytellers from a different time as well. Um, Like, you know, Roald Dahl is one of my favorite all times. And Quentin Blake illustrated most of his stories, but it would be cool to have done a Roald Dahl book or or something like that. Interesting. Um, Yeah. That's cool just to think that that as a as a person who's primarily illustrated other people's stories that that you can still see those those places where where you find delight and fun in in what it might look like for you to try your hand with with visual storytelling along with their words. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I <laughs> and then you drop Quentin Blake's name. <laughs> How cool to be so different. Uh, your art would be so totally different. Anyway, um, I, I I think that it's great, Christian, that you're that you're in and of the world making the things you're making, um, but especially that you're in and of schools and classrooms and and story time areas, and that you're doing that work. Uh, that's that's a place that I'm I'm really grateful to to know your work has such a strong presence. Uh, and is so beloved. So, so as I watch our time and realize how how fast the time has gone, I I want to end just with gratitude as well, th- saying thank you that I've had the opportunity to read your work, and more importantly, the privilege to talk to you and express what I see in it. Because I don't discount that you spend most of your time with children, and here you are listening to. <laughs> to some guy <laughs> share his own thoughts about these books, but it, it feels special to have that opportunity 
to talk to you as well and and to see my students and to see their lives and their joy in the work that you do. Awesome. Well, yeah, thank you. Thank you for this opportunity to, yeah, share more. Christian, yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end us with this question that I have been ending the, the interviews with that will give a chance to center us back with those children as well. And I'll say it this way. I'll see a library full of children tomorrow morning. Is there a message, Christian, that I can bring to them from you? My message to the children in this library would be um, if you love drawing, if you love telling stories, keep on drawing, keep on telling stories. This is Darshna Kiani, children's author and book blogger. Want to find out the latest South Asian books and children's literature? Check out www.flowering-minds.com forward slash South Asian Kidlet. The Children's Book Podcast is recorded and produced by Matthew Winner in his library studio in Ellicott City, Maryland. You can subscribe to the podcast and access the archive of over 400 episodes at matthewcwinner.com forward slash podcast. Our theme music is by Poddington Bear, care of the Free Music Archive. All views and opinions expressed on the show are those of the individual's and do not reflect ideas or viewpoints of the publishers of the books referenced. Want to help out with the show? Writing a review on iTunes or sharing the podcast with friends through Facebook, Twitter, word of mouth, or any other means helps reach more listeners, which leads to more content and more amazing guests. And that's a very good thing indeed. Before we leave, I want to give a shout out to all of my patrons, those folks who are supporting the podcast and keeping the lights on care of our Patreon page. Thank you, Jenny, Sue, Amy, Sarah, Kate, Lisa, Darshna, Marianne, Jarrett, Anitra, Mike, Lynn, Link, Karina, Cynthia, Elaine, Doug, Judy, Amanda, Ruth, Laura, Teresa, and others who are coming with me on this journey. You're welcome to come with us, too. Just visit patreon.com slash Matthew C. Winner and pick the support tier that's right for you. Teamwork makes the dream work, and each of you are helping to provide the tools necessary to make this podcast even greater. Thank you. We know you value what you put in front of your kids, especially when it comes to screens and podcasts. That's why we're excited to share a new podcast from our friends at Sleepiest, creating bedtime stories to help your kids fall asleep fast. Hello, Abby here. If you've got children and find bedtimes a struggle, I'd like to tell you about Coco Sleep, a children's story podcast designed to make bedtime a dream. Coco Sleep turns a chaotic bedtime into cozy bonding time. The stories are delivered in a pace that gently slows. Rumour has it that no one's ever heard an ending. So search Coco Sleep on your favourite podcast app and let's make bedtime a dream. That's K-O-K-O Sleep and I'll see you there.